everyone, and welcome back to Forward Thinking Podcast. We have a special CSTU guest with us today, Allison Rouse. Welcome, Allison. Hey, great to be on the podcast again. And of course, we have Charlie, per usual. And today we're going to tackle a topic close to our hearts, and it's uh, attribution. And we wanted to talk about the right way to go about attribution. Attribution gets a lot of hate on LinkedIn or across, um, you know, B2B marketing folks and Slack channels and anywhere you can find, there'll be a heated conversation around attribution. And there are ways you can go wrong with attribution. And that might even be starting with how you define it. Um, but we want to tackle what's the right way to go about attribution and, um, Allison's going to share her wealth of knowledge. Uh, she has a background working at full circle insights and helps manage a lot of our measurement and, uh, marketing reporting projects here at CS2. So should we just dive into it? Let's do it. All right. So Allison, you want to take us through first, um, you know, what is attribution? What's the definition of attribution? Um, The way I like to think about it is just kind of looking at all the touch points along a customer journey that led to the purchase of your product and assigning credit to each of those touches. Um, And obviously there's multiple models that assign different values, depending on the model that you're looking at, you might have heavier weight um, given to certain touches along that journey, but really it's about understanding what led to the purchase and assigning credit to those touches. In terms of the the definition, one thing I'd love to get more of your opinion on is, because um, I think a lot of times when people hear attribution, they, they instantly think of the most complicated form of attribution, um, because that's what's being, you know, sold to them generally by some, some of these vendors, like multi-touch attribution, W-shaped model, machine learning models, and all of this kind of stuff. But um, attribution can also be simple for companies at an early stage in their maturity and analytics. Can you explain the scale or the scope of attribution and where it can start and where it can get complicated, like both ends of the spectrum? Yeah, I think, and we often recommend this to our clients start just starting out is um, knowing where the acquisition point of the, the folks that are coming into your database, the the, the lead source, um, where they came from. And then if you wanna get even a little bit more complicated knowing you know their most recent lead source of what they just did um, and tracking that all the way to the opportunity is a really simple way of understanding you know what touches are influencing your deals. Um, it's definitely not comprehensive of everything because there's obviously things that happen in between. So like one step up from that could be even just using the out of the box Salesforce campaign influence reporting. Um, That's not gonna assign, like if you have a hundred dollar opportunity, it's not gonna assign that hundred dollars across the the campaigns, but it is gonna tell you what campaigns influence that deal. Um, So you can at least do some analysis on volume. and then, you know, even more complicated, you could get a tool like a, like a visible or full circle insights or, or lean data attribution where you're splitting that dollar amount across touches. And, you know, 
there's there's models where you could just do an even spread across all the touches or you could give greater influence to the first touch or the last touch um, and then even more complicated you could start getting into statistical analysis like doing regression or bayesian models um, but um, for that at least in my opinion, it feels like you you would need to have a lot of volume to really mm -hmm. determine um, or to, to discern a pattern. Um, but I think there's still, even if you don't have that kind of volume, there's still a lot of value you can get from a model, whether it's that simple lead source model or a little bit more sophisticated multi-touch model. Yeah, and I think related to that, so, you you actually you've been talking about this kind of internally with us and then you put it out something out there on on linkedin recently about how where people go wrong with attribution and you just articulated it in this perfect way so um i'd love to just you to articulate that here like where do people go wrong with attribution and like what is the what is the we're going to get into the right way in a bit but actually let's just start with the with the wrong like what, what are people doing wrong when it comes to attribution yeah, I think so. The the thing that I posted on LinkedIn is that oftentimes marketers will try to use the data to prove that what they're doing is working um, rather than using it to improve what they're doing and making sure it's working better over time and optimizing. Um, I think people often forget that an attribution model is is a model and thus it's not you know, definitive, it's directional. Um, there's a famous quote by a statistician, George Box, that says all models are wrong, but some are useful. And I think that we really need to remember that when we're looking mm -hmm. at the data, that it's not definitive. Um, if, if the model says this campaign brought in, you know, $100,000 in revenue, like that's, that's not the truth. Um, but if you compare that with another campaign, maybe you can determine which one's performing better. Yeah, so then a marketer, marketers that are looking for that definitive answer, um, what do you have to say to them? Like, if they're saying, I, want to, I, I just feel like I need to know like 100% what's working, what's not working, and I want my report just to literally just like, tell me what to do, like without any thinking. Um, because what you're saying, it, it requires, you know, more, more thought and interpretation and analysis and context. And, um, but that's kind of where the fun part comes in, where you can try and bring that stuff in, right? But I'd love to hear, you know, like, from you, because I still believe there's value in having that directional information. But how, how would you go about having that conversation with a marketer that, you know, doesn't believe or, or struggles with just getting to the level of being able to use directional information because they just need this binary, just like a hundred percent, this is exactly what you need to do. Yeah, well, first I would encourage them to even think about some of their own complex purchases that they've made, like if they've ever bought a car or some big investment where they had to do a lot of research um, and think about all the touch points that, you know, marketing wise or others that they had along the, that journey. Um, and remember that their customers are going through something similar, that they're, it's not just a magic bullet where um, 
you know, you're going to find the golden campaign that leads to all the close one deals. Um, but there are definitely ways that you can look at the data um, to see what channels are working better, which campaigns within those channels are working better. And I think it's all about making sure that when you are looking at the data that you, you're using it as a comparison tool and that you're using it to um, evaluate similar campaigns or similar channels. Um, I also really encourage people to have a hypothesis about what they expect to see in the data and then use the data to prove that hypothesis. Um, mm -hmm. So if you feel, you know, of all the events you did this year, event A was the best event. Well, let's look at the data and see, was it the best event? Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and can you talk a little bit more about the, what we were talking about before we jumped on around the, the users and the, the stakeholders who are going to be mostly using this data? Because I know you've got an opinion on what level that should be at in terms of the organization hierarchy. Yeah, and it kind of goes back to the whole prove and improve things. I, I do feel that there's some sort of kind of a, a need for the marketer to present this information to other teams or executives um, to show that, you know, these investments I made are leading to this amount of revenue or increasing the pipeline by this amount, um, when really it's a practice in my mind, attributions of practitioners tool set where they're looking at all, you know, kind of the landscape of things that they've done over the last year, whatever your time frame is, and kind of figuring out which of those things move the needle more than some of the other things. And then repeating that by doing similar things and maybe stopping doing some other things and being more scientific about an experimental um, with the, with their campaigns going forward based on that data-driven approach. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, one of the things that I talked about, um, before this call was a lot of the time people look to attribution reporting as kind of like their marriage counselor per se, like between sales and marketing, we're going to have more alignment because, sales is finally going to understand our impact and what we're doing and how that affects their deals. But there's, there's a lot of things wrong with that because it's not, you know, that silver bullet. Also, a lot of these models might not even take into consideration sales touches. And so if you're talking or including a person who's leading that team, they're going to feel a bit like, you know, defensive. Well, what about what my team's doing? And I know other tools are letting you include those touches and you do the work, but a lot of time they aren't. Um, and so if anything, it starts to have this, like, you know, this fight between like proving our worth when in the end, you know, you have your revenue goal that you just want to see up and, and to the right, um, your report, your reporting on revenue. Um, so yeah, I, I, it's, I feel like a lot of time marketers are looking to ways to prove their worth. And maybe we, because we have that anxiety of needing to do that, but really, you know, it, if you're using it to improve, if anything, your results are going to be better. Um, and then it, the conversation with your executive team is more around the, 
you know, overall um, impact that you made from making these changes. You know, you're able to make quick changes or invest in the right places and they'll see the results just in the, in the data. And then I think another thing that you mentioned before too, Allison, was just around timing. And this might go into another people, something that people do wrong, but when you are using this data to prove, um, you know, like you said, sometimes you just need time for attribution models to work. And I always think of the people who are like on like a weight loss program or something, and then they do one workout and then they weigh themselves after and, <laughs> and try, you know, right after just doing that one workout, you know, you're, you're not likely going to see much change, right? You haven't done the work or there haven't been enough time to see change. And that's another thing to keep in mind too for marketers, because I think they think, oh, we ran these programs this quarter. Let's report on those. Why are they not showing up in our attribution reports? And it's like, well, you know how long your cycle is or how long it's trade opportunities. And I think the timing part, like you've mentioned before, is the can get in that way too of proving instead of improving. Yeah, completely agree. Um, I think attribution, I always talk about leading and lagging indicators when it comes yeah. to, to marketing and attribution is definitely more on the lagging indicator. Yeah. Um, if you really need to look at program success before, um, you know, for the campaigns you run this quarter, attribution is not going to answer that necessarily. Depends on your sales cycle because the seeds you're planting this quarter aren't going to show up in your pipeline or your revenue until a future quarter. So if you're needing to look at, you know, earlier on, what are the, the leading indicators of success? You know, definitely that's where your volume, your lead source um, mm -hmm. is gonna be helpful. Um, if you're doing ABM, just kind of looking at overall engagement at your accounts, um, yeah. those kinds of things. But um, attribution is definitely more of a lagging indicator. So mm -hmm. don't, get discouraged when you don't see high numbers on those campaigns you launched last month. Um, yeah. Definitely take that into consideration when you're looking at the metrics and, and give it time. <laughs> so then one question I have is around, um, so the, for the practitioners who are, you know, rolling up into the VPs and the CMO and they're, they're there, maybe they're, there's one person who's running paid ads, there's one person doing content, or one person doing their demand gen programs, whatever. And they have, they're all kind of trying to ask for more budget. And attribution, right? Like you're able to have a, a much more clearer picture of everything that's going on when you have multi touch attribution and you're not just looking at like single touch, like a first touch, because that might. You know, there might be touch points that never show up in a first touch model, right? Because they always require like already having the data to be able to run that program. So multi-touch gives you more of that, the picture, but then um, it adds on like complexity, right? And then you have this, you know, model that's showing you what's working, what's not working. And I'd love to get your, your opinion on how do you translate all of that to, into a clear message to the executive leadership team when you're trying to get more budget and to give them confidence that you're going to use that budget wisely right and I'm sure it comes down to things like you, know, you you've been improving your impact so you've learned about what's working so then when you ask for the budget you can like tell them this is what I'm going to put it in because I've been learning about what's working and this is the different areas that I'm going to put it in but 
love to get your thoughts on how you communicate attribution to executives that might not really understand it as much or may um you know may just really need to know like the, the, the need to be given confidence that you're not just going to waste that budget right based on and you have bring data to the to the table yeah i think well i think one way is to to look at a couple really important deals and kind of dissect those and mm -hmm. look at the attribution for those those really large deals that were brought in and show them that the journey that someone took um, and then kind of extrapolate that more broadly and um, show how those same touch points that led to this deal is leading to other deals. Um, and I guess kind of going back to even the question about what, what people go what people do wrong with attribution is that there is a very heavy focus on volume, even the attribution vendors, a lot of their out of the box reporting is focused on volume. Like the, these channels brought in this amount of, of revenue or pipeline or the, this number of opportunities was created or influenced by the, these channels. And um, despite the fact that there's many different ways you can do a model, my favorite model is actually an even spread model, um, not because it's accurate, remember it's a model, but it does give us the landscape of all the touches that led to a deal. Um, and then we can start to weed out the bias of a, uh, of a model that uh, like an even spread model where, you know, you're, your highest volume campaign is going to show up as your most successful campaign if you're just looking at volume. But um, one thing that we encourage people to, to do with the attribution data is to look at other metrics aside from volume. So one example is conversion rate uh, or win rate. So looking at all the, the opportunities that a particular channel or set of campaign campaigns has influenced and the percentage of those that were closed one. So if you have a really high volume campaign that's influenced most of your deals, that win rate is gonna be somewhat low because it's influenced most of your deals. Um, so it's gonna reflect your overall win rate. Um, where you can see a more incremental impact is maybe some of your lower volume campaigns where they're in, still influencing a good amount of opportunities, but there's a higher likelihood of those opportunities closing. Um, and so we, we often represent this with the scatter plot chart where on the x-axis you have the volume of closed opportunities and then on the y-axis you have your win rate. Um, and then you're comparing your campaigns against each other, whether it's your channels um, themselves or individual campaigns within a channel. And so you can see your campaigns in the upper right quadrant are gonna be the ones that were most impactful in terms of conversion rate. Remember, it's just one metric. Mm -hmm. So I think that's one area that, you know, if you look at your large deals and you kind of bring it back to that, those types of reporting where you're looking at multiple metrics and you're, you are seeing that on average, you know, this channel or this campaign is 
above average in terms of something like conversion rate, like that's a really powerful message that you mm -hmm. should be investing more in that channel. Um, and, you know, obviously you have the data to back it up. Um, and that's one way in which you could, you know, try to get more budget for that channel. Yeah. Yeah. And we've kind of divin. <laughs> we've kind of <laughs> dived right into the, the right way to do attribution. I think I was thinking like divide to do, like, <laughs> I'm just messing up my words here. But, um, and that, that's, and, and I love that, like looking at the, the conversion rate and that, that lift, like what is the, the baseline average conversion rate? And if this channel touches an opportunity, does that, does that improve the chances of close, right? Yeah. And, and is that improving the likelihood for, for a close one opportunity? I also like that report because it brings the whole marketing team into that type of reporting. I think a lot of the time you do some like first touch reporting and the field marketers or, or, or the teams that are focused on like acceleration, deal acceleration are just completely left out and they feel like their campaigns or their channels aren't uh, effective when really they are. It's just, if you're just looking at first touch, you're going to see a lot of like your website or paid or demos and stuff like that. Um, so that type of report, and, and that's uh, like, I could probably tie like 60% of people they've seen like really start distrusting attributions because they went there first. They thought, oh, let's, let's include the whole team, but then let's start looking at first touch attribution or let's wait more to first touch. And then, and, and then those teams are like, well, this makes my campaigns look like crap, or I don't see any representation of my campaigns. And then they are like, I don't trust that. I don't trust that that reporting mm -hmm. um, and it creates this conflict. So I like that. Yeah. And I, lo I love what you talk mm -hmm. about with removing the bias to volume, because yeah. that, that definitely is like one of the big problems with attribution. Like, I might like, and to, to talk about it in an extreme scenario, like if you have a business and say like 99% of their touch points are all, or maybe 90% of their touch points are all just like, I think you came up with this example yesterday, just like from an ebook, like this one ebook or something. Yeah. So like basically every opportunity that's ever happened has been influenced by that that ebook. Now yeah. that doesn't mean that you should only you should turn off everything apart from that ebook. <laughs> but when you look yeah. at a chart like that, that's probably going to end up having a pretty low conversion rate because it's touched every almost every opportunity, and therefore there's going to be it's going to be touching a lot of lost opportunities. Whereas there could be something that is primarily you know when that touch point is involved it's only really influencing that deal to the point where it's influencing the deal positively enough that there's an improved win rate so something that could have a much lower volume and volume is still part of it right because you still want to touch more like if it's just one opportunity it's probably not that useful either so there's still a balance but you know it, it's it's it definitely just strips away that that bias um, where you, you know, you don't then end up optimizing for just the volume play, which I think is what a lot of yeah. people, um, their, their, their issue with attribution, because it, it does, yeah, it, it can lead you astray if, if you don't strip out bias like that. So I think it's a really important yeah. point to highlight. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even at my, at my last company, we had this research report that we did every year that was very popular with the community and pretty much everyone in our database would download that report every year. And we even got into some heated discussions with some of our SDRs about 
um, whether we should MQL everybody who who downloads that report because they had some really good conversations with people who downloaded that report. Um, when you know when we're looking at the data, I'm like, sure, I'm sure you've had some good conversations, but you also kind of need to think about um, the fact that everyone's downloading it and the people that you haven't had good conversations with are also downloading it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, let's, you know, be, be a little bit realistic. Let's look at, you know, of the people that, that downloaded it, you know, what audience generally leads to opportunity. So like, yeah, I always, when I talk about attribution data too, I think another mistake people often make is not being specific enough about, you know, what they're, trying to measure against. Mm -hmm. um, one example that, I, that I've that i seen is, you know, some of the vendors, because they don't know your the specific fields you use in your database, they're just gonna give you an overall attribution report, but they're not gonna sit, have a dashboard that says, okay, let's just look at new business versus renewals versus upsell. Like the journey is to completely different for those opportunities. So you need to drill down a bit more. Um, and maybe, maybe it's a different, um, different based on the audience. You might have tactics that are more effective for, you know, a C-level executive type of audience versus practitioners. So making sure that when you're comparing campaigns, you're comparing it against, you know, the original intent of that campaign. Was the intent to drive engagement with a practitioner audience or an executive audience? Was the intent to um, get people to, to renew or to upsell or was the intent to drive new business and really drilling in and segmenting based on that. Yeah, and that's where some of your hypothesis can come into it, right? You can challenge them, test them and, and see if, see if the, what, you're, what, you think is, what you think was meant to happen, right? Actually happened or not. Um, yeah. So then, so you've, you've talked about conversion rate i know you've got a few others um well and other kind of segmenting your opportunity types if anyone's taking notes i would say that's another key thing is when you are running those dashboards or reports maybe try and filter by you know your new business versus renewal and so forth mm -hmm. that's another key takeaway i'm getting from allison um <laughs> yeah yeah and then i know so if you've got other dimensions i still can't stop thinking of that prodigy song <laughs> <laughs> but um so let's go just go into the others so we've talked about conversion rate but are there any others that you like to use with uh, attribution data yeah so kind of similar to to conversion rate or win rate um, what's also become really important is like deal velocity and um, just velocity. So we can run the same kind of report or, or scatter plot chart with velocity and look at, let's look at all the closed one opportunities. So you have on your X axis, you've got the number of closed one opportunities. Um, in the middle is your, your scatter plot based on um, either campaign channel or type or individual tactic. And then on the y-axis is, um, all right, I think I got my axis confused, but on the other axis mm -hmm. is um, the average number of days it took those opportunities to close. So your best campaigns or channels will be in the upper left quadrant of that scatterplot chart where they're influencing a lot of closed one deals that close quickly. 
Um, so that's an, another great one, um, especially if, you know, as Chrissy mentioned, there are marketers who are more focused on acceleration. Um, I even think of like the email channel um, as something that obviously you'll never yeah. see in a first touch report, but um, for somebody, maybe your marketing team that's building out your nurture campaigns, mm -hmm. they want to know which nurture track is most successful for deal acceleration. That's perfect for that kind of comparison. Totally. Yeah. Email is a big one. Like I think I post on LinkedIn about this, but we made a, a big purchases. And like you said, it's buying a car. And one of the things that like just tipped me over was just an email about its <laughs> safety it's rating. True. And I even responded back to them, just letting you know, this is what tipped me over to make the purchase because they would never really know, or, you know, or a lot of times I wouldn't show up in the reporting. And I feel like that's important for the marketers to know, but that can definitely be, have a huge role, but not get the credit where, you know, in, in some of this reporting people are doing that. Yeah. It's a good point. And definitely spell out that deal. <laughs> yeah. And then we bought the car like three days later. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and then, so then we've got velocity conversion. Um, is there any other dimensions that you, you would add on? Uh, I've got a few more questions as well, like before we, before we wrap this up, but any, any other dimensions beyond those two? Yeah, uh, I'll talk about one more dimension and then I'll talk about another way to use the data. So the other dimension that we would generally look at maybe is um, average deal size. So especially if you're trying to increase the average deal size, maybe you're doing ABM and that's a goal. Mm -hmm. um, you might want to know what tactics are leading to larger deals. So you'll have, again, your scatter plot chart you'll have your volume of closed one opportunities, and then you'll have your average deal size. And so your best campaigns or tactics will be in the upper right quadrant where they're influencing a lot of deals with a large average deal size. Um, and then another way that I would use all three of these dimensions, so the win rate, the velocity, and the average deal size, is doing what I would call lift analysis, where, and this is comes especially valuable if you're really wanting to hone in on a particular campaign or channel or tactic and want to know, did that channel or campaign or tactic have any incremental lift in terms of any one of those dimensions? So you'll look at what was the conversion rate or the win rate of this campaign um, for all the opportunities that it, it, it influenced. And then let's look at the, the opportunities that it didn't influence and look at that win rate. And is it better? Um, it's somewhat of a scientific approach. Like I always like to think of it like a science experiment where you have your treatment group and your control group. It's not technically scientific because you're not intentionally applying that campaign to certain opportunities and not others but it should directionally tell you whether or not it's better than the average. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, in terms of what, one thing I want to ask you before the end here, which is, which is kind of like a different, you know, it's, it's switching gears a little bit, um, but it's around the in, invisible touch points, yeah. you know, st stuff that you can't track because that that's where I see, People generally getting a little bit upset with attribution sometimes because they say, 
oh, I'm doing this podcast or something, you know, I can't, I'm not generating leads, I'm not able to track engagement. So then or, my attribution report mm -hmm. is going to tell me that I shouldn't do podcasts anymore, because mm -hmm. it's not showing up in in the report. Yeah. What, what do you and then they but then, in my opinion, they kind of take it another step further and go, I shouldn't do any attribution, you know, because it's not telling me everything. But then I know, you know, there's there's a difference between well, there's the, you don't you don't need to get everything right in order to do anything. Um, so I'd love to get your opinion on 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 that and what you would say to someone who's lost faith in in attribution because they've heard people talk about um, talk about that invisible touch point issue. Yeah. Um, well, I guess so. One thing I would say about attribution in general is that I find it most valuable when you're comparing tactics within a channel as opposed to comparing channels against each other, just because it's like the variables are so different depending mm -hmm. on the channel. Like I think directionally it's helpful to look at the, at different channels and compare them against each other. But are you are you realistically going to stop a given channel? I mean, unless it's really performing poorly, what you really want to do is optimize your tactics within each channel to, to be the most, you know, successful. Um, so that's one side of it. Then the other side with the touches that you're not able to track within attribution. Yeah, that's always going to be a challenge. And that's where you can't really use attribution to, you know, prove that it's working. Again, you're, it's, attribution is not about proving, it's about improving. Um, so I would look at more leading indicators of success with some of those channels, like with the podcast, you know, you can see how many views you get per episode. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's kind of more of a leading indicator of success. You're not going to tie it directly to, to revenue, but, um, again, yeah. because we're, we're, we're not always using attribution correctly and using it to prove rather than improve. If you're really wanting to use data to improve, you know, your podcasts, for example, as an example, um, you know, looking at the, the, the views over time and, you know, um, which podcast did better than the other? Like, are you getting, are your guests here more ones getting more views or the ones not? Yeah. Like that, yeah, And I, I think exactly. that's what scares people also for, uh, we've talked about ungating their content. And I think that that comes up too. It's like, oh, well, how am I going to like measure or get, you know, and, and like you said, the content has such high volume that, I mean, you kind of know it works top of funnel, right? You know, and, and you could, but if you are able to track even just the downloads or even page visits, you can tie some implied attribution to say, okay, this piece of content did really well versus not. And that's really kind of what you, what you just want to report on for content, like what's getting the most visibility and, and downloads, because it's really just about educating your buyer at that point. Yeah. So, and it's about improving, improving, not yeah. proving. And, and if you're, yeah. if that, if you extrapolate that mindset to everything, then it answers, it, it kind of answers all of the, all of the, all of the questions or the doubters, because 
you know, you're not, if you're, if you're looking to prove your podcast is influencing revenue, then yeah, it's going to be hard to show that in attribution report. And unless maybe you ask your contacts, like, do you listen to our podcast and like add a field on the contacts? Like they, they're a podcast listener or something like that, you know, which I mean, you could totally do, but um, when it comes to improving, if you're constantly just trying to improve, then that is, you know, you're, you're looking at it through these different lenses and trying to improve things independent of each other. So it's not like, oh, because I'm trying to improve my, you know, paid ads, I now, I, I'm going to stop doing a podcast, you know, that, that doesn't, you, that doesn't lead to that decision, right? Because you're just trying to right. improve your paid ads and look at the data, what's, what's working, what's not working across those three dimensions and other things. So, um, yeah, I think if you just put that improve, prove concept at just the, in, at the beginning of everything, it just smooths out any of the, any of the issues and any of the complications for people, I think. Um, one last question on, on attribution is, uh, so we've talked about the, the dimensions that you can look at um, from, you know, the, the conversion, um, et cetera. Now, one thing that a lot of people talk about is attribution models. And you mentioned a linear model where touch point, the, 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 the calculation is just even evenly spread across all of the individual touch points. Then there's like W-shaped models and all that other stuff. Now, what is your opinion on, I know you prefer the, the linear model, but what do you, what are some of the pros and cons of some of the other models from your point of view, like W-shape or, you know, U-shape or, or any of the others? Yeah, and I think, I mean, I think that you can use those models to answer different questions. The reason I like the even spread model is that um, it allows me to answer, it allows me to pull those scatter plot charts that I just mentioned, because um, I'm giving e even amount of credit to everything. Um, I find it hard I just find it hard, like kind of going back to like thinking about a big purchase that you've made, thinking about giving one touch point more credit than another, just based on the order in which mm -hmm. I did that, just doesn't see, sit right with me too too much. It's, it's really it's really challenging to um, see that that's that's what's driving success. I I mean I will say that I think there's some value to to a first touch because, yeah. uh, you know, if you're wanting to know where where most of your leads are coming from, where they initially found out about you, um, and you you yeah. have kind of a contact acquisition goal, then then that can be really helpful. A first touch model can be really helpful for that. Um, but yeah, like the everything in between, it's really hard to judge that a single, oh, this white paper download that I did just before the salesperson created the opportunity, like, should that get more credit than the white paper that I downloaded two weeks before that? <laughs> yeah. And in some ways, like revenue teams are almost architecting that journey, you know, or they should be, right? So they, they kind of are putting that picture together, like, you know, sales is going to touch something before it becomes an opportunity or, you know, or there's some or like type, a demo before or a demo, you know, before. So it's almost like you would know what would get the credit or you're almost like pushing those channels to actually get the credit. So it's not really telling you something that you don't really know already. Um, 
Yeah, so, yeah. And I think that's yeah. Yeah, a very important thing to call out with the, and I think we've mentioned it on a on a podcast before, like order based mm-hmm. attribution models, definitely have a big downside to them based on exactly what you said there, right? Does order doesn't really matter? Like another, I think the example we gave was someone like engaged with an email or like downloaded a white paper from an email um, just after as like a follow-up to them going to a breakfast with your CEO or something. But just because they, they downloaded that white paper the next day, in a W-shaped model, that's going to get 30% attribution if there's an opportunity created. But, you know, that is definitely the, the, the dinner with your CEO definitely influenced that opportunity a lot more. Um, yeah. So until these vendors are able to enable us to, and this could even be more complicated than it's worth, but it, it enable us to be able to give additional weight based on the type of touch point, um, then it's good. I think these W-shaped models and that you like any of these kind of uneven spread models are going to be probably have more issues than they do solutions and, and improvements. Yeah. One other thing I like about, oh, go ahead, Allison. I was just going to say one thing, even with the even spread model, like when you start looking at some of those dimensions I mentioned, like win rate and velocity is you can start to look at that data. And if you do see trends, feed that back into your model and weight those things more. And then your weighted model becomes more accurate over time. Mm -hmm. So you can always use the data to then not just improve your your marketing efforts, but make your model more accurate over time. Well, that's where like machine learning and AI comes in. What are your thoughts there? Is that is that the future, or is it is that you probably need a lot of volume for that as well? Back to your point earlier. Yeah. Um, or or is it all hype? I have skepticism about it because like a lot of the companies we work with are B two B companies. We're not like like Amazon, where you have thousands and like millions of transactions where you can really discern a pattern. Um, So I have some skepticism about it, but I definitely want someone to prove me wrong because it does seem like like that's the best, that would be the best way if you had a, you know, a machine learning model that really was able to discern, okay, if you do these things in this order, that's, that's your golden path to success I like like how you said that skepticism but you want to be proven wrong I like that (laughs) I think the one final thing I think a lot of the time the argument against attribution is like using common sense and I think one thing we've proved here is that is a key part to doing attribution yeah you still need common sense you still need (laughs) common sense but does it mean that you just go purely on uh blind common sense alone and it informs your common sense to exactly help you like that's the whole thing to improve you are using your brain you're making decisions you're comparing it's less black and white than just looking at a report on a dashboard one report you know um and and taking a lot of things into consideration so yes um all the people that say you need common sense we agree with you right <laughs> like <laughs> um and, and that's where the story comes in, right? Yeah. Like we, we find that the, one of the big differentiators for a marketing operations person to go from like good to great is, is having that analytics experience and then being able to tell a story with that data yeah. to their CMO and help them understand it. Yeah. Right. And that takes a lot of 
interpretation, understanding, analysis, common sense, you know, understanding your business and all of the above. So attribution is never just going to show you the, the thing to do ever. No. You're still going to use your human brain. Yeah. Yeah. any uh any final things to say Alison or um and anything else you want to add on on attribution if if someone's been listening to this and they want to get started like what's a what's a good place for them to start and learn or any resources or anything like that like how did you learn all of this I know it's probably a lot of learn by doing but any advice you could give to the budding um analytics masters out there <laughs> yeah I mean you know, definitely start start by dissecting a couple of really important deals and looking at the journey people took. Um, you don't even have to have a software to do it. You know, you can just look at even in Marketo, what did what did the people on this opportunity do, and what what led mm -hmm. them to to the purchase, and kind of then think about that more. Like I said, more broadly, is is that same pattern or the same kinds of touches influencing other deals. Um, I mean, the way I learned, I actually worked for one of the attribution vendors <laughs> and got to um, see how a lot of customers um, use the data um, and learned a lot from my customers and learned a lot just from implementing the software and seeing where it could go wrong. So mm -hmm. it is it's a great way to learn <laughs> is really get in with a vendor. But yeah, yeah. So if you want to learn, ping Alison and maybe she can try and get you a job at one of her old <laughs> employer who, <laughs> and you can go through dozens of implementations and you're sure going to learn a lot from that. Awesome. All right. I think it's uh, time to wrap it up, right? Yeah. So thanks everyone for joining on today's episode. If you like this episode or if you know someone who you know, is looking for a better way to do attribution or even within your organization, definitely share, share this episode. And thanks again, Allison, for joining us. We'll see you on the next episode of Forward Thinking. Have a good one, everyone.